0: Hello there, and welcome to the Go Ahead Dublin Championship show here on Dubs TV. On episode three this week, we're going to be taking a look back at the round three fixtures, the final round of group fixtures in the Go Ahead Dublin Senior A Hurling Championship and the Go Ahead Dublin Senior One Football Championship, and looking ahead to what's in store in the quarterfinals in both competitions over the coming two uh, weekends. Dotsy O'Callaghan, Coman Goggins, and Conor McKeown from The Herald will be joining us to uh, take a look back and look forward to all the action later on as part of our club focus we're going to be taking a look at the great work being done at Knock ga club their chairman kevin O'Shaughnessy will be joining us for a chat a little bit later on first up though let's talk curling mm-hmm. Okay, joining us this week to look back on the final round of games in the Go Ahead Dublin Senior A Hurling Championship and look ahead to the quarterfinals uh, this weekend is former Dublin Hurler Dotsie O'Callaghan and the Heralds Conor McKeown. Hiya, guys. Thanks for joining us. Hi, Derek.
1: Hi, Derek. Okay. Hi,
0: Derek. A quick look back at the uh, results in round three before we start uh, wins for Craig Kieran over Whitehall Column Kill and for Nafina over Ballantyre St. John's in Group 1. Group 2, uh, Luke and Sarsfields beating St. Vincent's to qualify in St. Jude's. Getting past uh, Satanta, 125 to 114. Kula beating St. Bridget's in the big game of round three, 318 to 123, the final score there, edging past them by a point. Chemical Croaks beating Thomas Davis, 126 to 14 points. And also wins for Plunkett's over Foggs in group four, and for Ballybowden, St. Andes over Skull Econnell. Um, Dotsie, I guess we'll start with the what was the uh, big game of round three uh, was Kula versus St. Bridget's, a winner takes all sort of tie and obviously Kula who needed a, only needed a draw to qualify they came out on top of winning by a point point. one of those games which was a very uh, 50-50 very nip and tuck the whole way Bridges scoring a goal about three minutes from the end of the game to um, look like they would progress but then uh, Kula coming back and scoring four and answer points to actually win the game a, a great game uh, what did you make of it and what do you make of Kula's performance heading into the quarterfinals?
1: Yeah, I suppose I, I didn't get to see it live, Derek, but I suppose it was definitely the, the tide around all right and one we were all looking forward to. Um, I suppose, look, you have to give massive credit to Kula, you know. Um, uh, it, you know, we had maybe slight question marks about them. They're very disappointing the first day against Chemical Croaks as well. Uh, so they had to come with a response. And, I mean, you know, at this stage of the year, kind of when the big games are on and you're trying to, you, you know, the gun is to the head, you have to win to get into a quarter final. There, um, you know, three points down, conceding the goal at the end, and to come back the way they did, uh, showed massive, massive character. So, John Toomey and Eddie Brennan will be absolutely delighted with that, and you know, that'll give them a huge lift uh, going into a quarter final, uh, into, against And you know. So, look, uh, as Bridgets will be kicking themselves, they probably had opportunities to go on and push on and win the game as well, but you know, not to take away from Kula. They really, really stood up when they had to. And, you know, they, you know, these group, these group stages is all about just getting out of that group and, you know, getting to the knockout stage and, and looking to try and pick up a bit of momentum and, and see where you can end up. So they're there now into a quarter final, and they'll be, you know, looking to get a few players back and, and really trying to progress it on
0: into this championship, Derek, yeah. Connor, it's kind of like uh, Ballymun Kickham's in the Senior One Football Championship um, for Kula. They haven't really been performing so far in this championship, but they're also very, very difficult to beat. And that was the case the last day against St. Bridget's. Uh, Bridget's, uh, at times, I think, were five, six points clear, and, and Kula scored a couple of goals to bring it back to three each time. And obviously, Bridget's scoring a goal right at the end of the game would normally spell defeat for most teams. This Kula team. Uh, obviously it wasn't for them and they scored four points with that reply like I say to, to win the game hard beating this team even if they're not playing particularly well it's it's very difficult to actually get past them
2: yeah and I think you know the last day against Bridgets um, you know they had every excuse in the world if they wanted to maybe throw in the towel you know they've won so much as a group um, and you know clearly this wasn't going particularly well from, I think there were, was a 15 to 1-8 down at half time and you could say the Dermot O'Flynn's goal and some pretty good goalkeeping from Sean Brennan had kept them maybe in contention at that stage. At the back, I think they found Keane O'Sullivan very, very difficult to handle. Um, I think he ended up with six points from play. And, um, you know, like, it, it doesn't happen very often with Kula because they usually have so many good backs that they can match up so well that one player does quite as much damage as O'Sullivan did the last day. Uh, they'll usually be able to kind of plug the leak, but... Um, as I said, they're not quite in the same form, but I think there were three down after um, Rory Convery's goal with two minutes left to play. And the way they finished it was just really, really impressive. Connell Callan popped up, got a couple of really brilliant scores. Uh, Darrell Connell as well. And the goals, you know, were obviously the things that brought them back into the game. Um, you know, Sean Moran, who has made himself a very, very useful forward at this level for Kula. Um that goal seemed to be particularly um, important for me. But as I said, like going into injury time, still trailing uh, in a situation where they've been heavily beaten in the first game. It would have been they had every excuse in the world if they wanted to wave the white flag um, and decide that they'd won enough. And, you know, maybe the team was going to move on a small bit. But they showed huge character and huge um, courage to kind of not just bring Bridges back, but to go and win the game. So. Yeah, they'll be very interesting to watch now because they're clearly not in the same sort of form as before, but they still have an awful lot um, of the best hurlers in the, in the county. Albeit, you know, they're going to miss Mark Shutey and and Goff and a few more guys who seem to be out at the moment. So, um, yeah, look, they'll be interesting to watch. They're, they're definitely not favourites for the championship, I think, anymore. I think that's that's probably one thing you can say after the group stages.
0: Um Dotsie, from the other team, obviously, Chemical Croaks had already qualified pretty much. I think they had already qualified heading into, the, into round three. They beat Thomas Davis by 126 to 14 points. Much like their footballers, Dotsie, they're, one of the, they're seen as being one of the favourites for this championship. They're performing very, very well at the moment and obviously getting out of the group fairly comfortably with a big win over Kula in that round one game as well. How do you assess Chemical Croaks heading into the quarterfinals? Obviously, their quarterfinal is against uh, Plunkets.
1: Yeah, I think they've been very impressive, Derek. You know, I, I like the mix and I like the way they've changed it up a little bit this year as well. So I think you're seeing the likes of Bush and O'Rourke uh, with a new lease to life. You know, he's he's always kind of been a corner forward. And we spoke about maybe him being, you know, stuck in the corner and, you know, always your, you know, man marking, really sticky, tight defenders as well. So he's playing further out the pitch and seems to be enjoying that, that freedom, you know. So he's a lovely hurler, lovely stick work. You know, well able to pick a pass as well. So I think the lads around the field are, you know, they're responding to that as well, and they're getting into good positions. And Ushian has the the that that head and that vision to pick out players as well. So that's kind of that dynamic has changed. And you'd have Dara Purcell, who'll be similar, you know, buzzy around there, really quick, can take a score, can get in for a goal as well. And he's nearly dropping out a little bit as well. And then you've got maybe the Twin Towers inside, the Ronan Hayes and and Alex Considine and you know, they're, they're both very mobile, they're both ball winners, they can take on a defence as well, so look, they probably, you know, they're tests coming down the line for them, but I certainly like the mix of it, you know, and Lorca McMullen is another guy who's playing extremely well, he's probably dropping out deeper there as well, and getting on a lot of ball, and well able to take long-range scores as well, and himself, Fergal Whitey, Dylan Mulligan, you know, offering a lot around the middle there as well, so yeah, I have to say I like the look of them as well, and even their defense as well. They've added kind of you know Brian Sheehy, Paul Glenahan in there, which kind of the more experienced. Bill O'Carroll and Kean McGowan and you know Davy Crow also another young lad as well. So they're they're really a lot of I think it's a, probably a feature of the championship. A lot of a lot of clubs are maybe getting a lot of younger lads into their teams. And we spoke about Kula there as well. So you know there's change in the guard going on. Maybe in a lot of a lot of teams as well. So Kilmacud are certainly one of them. And you know, seem to have a, a nice blend and a nice mix there. So it'll be it'll be very interesting to see how they kind of continue to pre- progress on throughout the championship
0: when maybe the tests become a bit sterner. You know, yeah, big time again. Like they're certainly being seen as one of the the favorites for the title. Um they're, they will play Plunkets in the quarterfinals. Plunkets beating Fogs by one twenty two to one seventeen in the round three game in Group Four. A really big win for Plunkets. Uh, that sees them into the quarterfinals. Um, Dotsie, uh, I know you, were, you weren't on, on commentary duty th- that day either for Plunkets versus Foggs, but uh, overall, what do you make of Plunkets? I mean, uh, again, you, I think you, you were there for their opening the day uh, defeat to Ballybowl and Sandendez. Do you feel they're a team who have deserved to qualify for the quarterfinals, and how big a win is that for themselves as well to actually get into the, the last state of the championship?
1: Yeah Derek it, it was a massive win for them and I, I wasn't
0: in any way surprised to see them come out of the
1: group and um, probably themselves and Fogs it was going to come down to that game as well and look they've been making a lot of progress they've been putting in work underage and they've been in a, a recent minor final as well there so they've a lot of players coming up through the ranks and who've played maybe underage for Dublin as well and um, they've Niall Arthur back into the squad there as well and obviously you've got the ball and Clan there kind of coming to the fore as well. And Keane had a very good game the last day, he, you know, managed to come up and get one four. I think they had started them deeper as well. So, look, there's uh, you know, Keith Horgan and Derek Brennan are involved there, and they're, they've are put together a good setup by all accounts. So, um, not overly surprised in any way to see them coming out of the group. Uh, massive progress for them. Um, it, I think it'll probably be a bit a step too far to be to be, you know, maybe taking down chemical croaks, but. Uh, I've no doubt they'll be they'll be ultra competitive again, and and look forward to you know that challenge of taking on one of the big guns in a in a knockout game in Parnell Park. You know, so they've earned the right coming out of the group, and
0: it's certainly they'll look forward to that. Yeah, Connor um, Plunkett's have obviously won the uh, the Division Two in the Adult Hurling League uh, earlier in, a few weeks back beating Rohini in the final. So they've had a pretty decent year and obviously with that quality that they have up top, Keane Boland popped up with a pretty important goal in the game against Fogs the last day. They had that uh, quality mixed in with the rest of the team as well which which certainly does help them in, in, in that regard.
2: Yeah and I think like Keane Boland um, you know the big thing about his performance last day was the end product. I think he ended up with 1-4. The goal he scored I think was uh, from turning over Fogs as they were coming out of defence and that's a feature of that Plunkett's team. They work very, very hard up front. They don't allow you to walk the ball out of the fence. Um, and they managed to get a good goal off at the last day. Arthur's free taking, is, is his place ball taken is exceptional as well. Um, And in those kind of tight games, it can be really important, you know. So um, I think that he, he took a five free of 65 and he tapped over a penalty at the very end. He ended up with four points. And I think Keen Boland had won four and he was just a threat all the way through the game with that Killian Hayes and Sean Clerken were really good as well. So they've the Megans of a very strong team. Um but I think to get out of the group was a big was a big step for them to take. I think a lot of people would have had fogs down maybe as the second team to come from that group. Um and obviously the step gets gets enormous from here. But like it's been a great season, whatever happens now, as you said, like winning division two, um, and to get out of the group, I think they could probably write that off as a successful season. And you know, they'll go into the quarterfinals with the old cliche, of nothing to lose. So um no, they, they were they were more than deserving of their victory the last day, and they deserve to be in the last eight.
0: We mentioned Kula already. Kula taking on Ballyboden St enders in the quarterfinals. Ballyboden uh, finishing at the top of the group uh, with three wins from three. Ballyboden beating Scully Cunnell the last day, two twenty seven to 19 nine. your assessment of Ballyboden St enders this year? Again, another team we mentioned, Kimmel Code. Uh, Bali in decent form. You might look at their group and say they were favourites, big favourites to get out of the group, and, that, and that's what they've done. They've won three games out of three. How do you assess their um, campaign so far heading into the quarterfinals against, again, a step up against uh, Kula? No matter how well or badly Kula might be playing, they're still a, they're still a, a huge test in the quarterfinals.
1: Yeah, and I think if you're looking at Ballyboden and Kildare, like they've probably been the two powerhouses there, as in the Ballyboden team that won the five in a row, kind of raised the standard, and then Cooler kind of going on winning, you know, two club all Ireland's, which was you know uh, an unbelievable achievement. So you've got the, the, you know, the two of these teams are, you know, when we spoke about maybe that bit of transition that's coming as well. So they're kind of new look teams. There's an uh, a lot of kind of younger players coming into it, but there's still a lot of experienced guys around the place as well. And no more so than Connell Keeney. Um uh, you've got Simon Lambert, Shane Durkin. Um, you know, so they have they have that spread of 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 lads that are still there and you can kind of bring in them younger guys as well. So they've brought a lot of pacing around there. You've Pierce the likes of Pierce Christie Christie there as well and Aidan Mellet, So they're really, really zippy players. And you know can carry the ball, and you know they've been really trying to run at other other teams, create them openings and overlaps as well. So, obviously, I think you know that's something Maliki and David Curtin have probably been working on a lot. Um. So look, again, you're talking about maybe have they been tested yet? So they'll they'll certainly you know Kula would have had the the upper hand on them the last few years as well. So it's it's probably they'll view this as a big opportunity maybe to. To, to take a scalp off of Kula and maybe progress on into a semi-final, you know. So, look, the, the big test kind of is, is lying ahead this weekend for them as well. So, they're, as I said, they're, they're, they're getting the younger lads in. They're, they're gelling the team and mixing it up a little bit as well. So, um, yeah, it'd be very interesting to see, Derek, how, how that one pans out at, at the weekend.
0: Yeah. Um. Group one was a really interesting one as well. Group one was uh, the big game of the weekend was, uh, of that weekend, was Crave Ciaran taking on Whitehall Calm Crave Ciaran coming out on top. And Conor, pretty deservedly so as well. 325 to 212, a big deserved win for them. sees them into a quarterfinal against Lucan Sarsfields, uh, joining the FINA in the quarterfinals. Crave Ciaran, uh, how do you assess them? Because, I mean, Crave against Lucan is maybe a, a game where you, you would... See Lucan being favourites going into it, but crave having a chance certainly uh, following their performance in, in the group stages. How do you assess their their performance so far in the, in the campaign?
2: Yeah, they've been good and they have, um, you know, they have a bit of pace and they have uh, they have got like they tend to score a lot of the goals. You know, uh, I think Billy Ryan got to the last day and he looked really, really. Um, he sort of he, he, they tend to they tend to go for goal when they get decent possession in the scoring zone. Um and I thought Keane Derwin was exceptional as well at the last day. I think he finished with maybe six points from play. So um and Billy Ryan got two five. So, you know, they have a strong they have a strong kind of spine to the team, but on top of that they have an awful lot of um they have an awful lot of threats up front. And I think the game with Lupin and the volleyball and Cooler game, I think, are probably the, the two standout quarterfinals, you know. um I think the last few years we've had to wait maybe until the semi-finals to get really outstanding um, competitive games in the Dublin Championship. But I think those two would be games more than worth watching. I think Crave and Lupin and the cooler the Kula, um, Ballyboden game would both go right down to the wire this weekend. I
1: think, I think the, the Crave ciaran lads, Derek, you know, I think they were fairly taken aback by how strong and physically even the Nafina guys were the first day out, you know? And they probably you know i think they've bounced back strong from that so sometimes an early defeat like that can set you up and i was i thought they were very impressive the last day as well i think they you know they scored 325 the highest score of the round i think and you know i think they're 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 coming into this confidently as well and they're not the type of team that will will fear will fear anyone going into it so yeah
0: that certainly uh certainly makes for an interesting one as well that one and Dotsie, uh, we've spoken before about Nafina, and obviously they had already qualified heading into round uh, three. They beat here the last day, 118 to 12 points, and they are facing St. Jude's in the quarterfinals. Um, again, we've mentioned Ballybold, we mentioned Kula, we've mentioned uh, Chemical Croaks, and Nafina are certainly one of the teams who many people are tipping for uh, to get into the latter stages of the championship and potentially going on to win it for the first time as well. Um, their quarterfinal against Jude's, uh, this is Again, looking at their group, many would say that they, you know, sailed through it pretty comfortably, and they were would have been big favourites to get out of the group anyway. Is is the Jews game a, a, another step up and level for them to see how they are uh, and how they can, you know, uh, consider themselves in terms of potentially going on to win the title? Obviously, they'd have to beat Jews, but it's another step up for them in, in that regard in the quarterfinal.
1: Yeah, I think it is, Derek. You know, I. I uh... Certainly, like I don't think they'll be they'll be finding it as as, as easy against Jude's. Uh, they'll be without doubt. They'll be uh, facing a, a lot sterner opposition come the weekend, you know. And I think I think Neil O'Callaghan after one of the games, I heard him interviewed, and he was talking about whatever happens, they won't uh, they won't lose the battle. So maybe that's a, a bit of a, an insight into their mentality this year as well. So um, they'll be coming again. The, have they been challenged? Probably not. So Jude's have have done well to come to that group. They've got, got players back this year as well. And, you know, they're the type of team. They get a sniff. They get into a quarter final. You know, the, the Nafina will be getting nothing easy there. And I'm sure Jules will be doing all they can to possibly, you know, break that Nafina play. You know, Nafina like to work the ball up the pitch. And, you know, they, they've had great success with that throughout the group as well. So, look, Jules will be all out to disrupt that and unsettle the Nafina players as well. And, you know, if they can do that in the first kind of quarter... Nafina have had great starts the last few games as well. So if John McCarthy and the Judes boys, if they can kind of, you know, disrupt that and, and settle into the game and make it tight, um, you wouldn't know what would happen there either, you know. So I don't think Judes will have will, will fear anything going into that match. But look, I suppose overall, Nafina have been impressive and they've done what they've had to do. And, you know, they've, they've been, you know, they're physically look very strong and conditioned and, you know, are moving the ball well and creating openings, creating the scoring opportunities as well and, and racking up some good scores. So, look, they probably, yeah, they'd, they'd, they'd have to go into it as favourites. But again, you don't really, you know, you won't get anything easy at, at this stage with the teams that are left in it, you know.
0: Yeah, um, Ballantir St. John's uh, are one of the four teams who will be going into the relegation playoff. Ballantir taking on Satanta in the relegation playoff and Thomas Davis meeting Scully Cunnell in the other one. Um, from a whitehall Colin kill point of view, Connor, uh, they've been without some of their big players over the whole championship uh, or for a lot of the championship. Cormacoslo, uh, it got injured, I think, uh, during the second round game. Owen O'Donnell has been missing as well. Uh, Lee Gannon, I don't think, has been playing for the hurlers as well this year either. he been, had been missing. So uh, from a championship point of view, they will I guess be disappointed not to qualify, but considering the, the major players that they had absent, it, it can't be maybe seen as a as a huge surprise that they haven't qualified considering the amount of talent that they, they didn't have available to themselves.
2: Yeah, because on paper, they should have a really strong team if everybody is fit. Um, You know, Endo O'Donnell for the Dublin under-20s last year was a player who gave them huge sort of energy, just a serious pace in the ball, able to break a tackle and break the line. Um, And I think Dara Gray was, for the last two years, one of Dublin's most consistent players. And I think in the absence of... Chris Grummy to the Dublin forwards, uh, one of the most prolific halfbacks in the country. So, um, yeah, I think Whitehall would have had higher ambitions, really, than ultimately they achieved this year. But sometimes that happens, you know. You just things don't go your way regarding players being available for various different reasons. And you know, I think what's vital for that group, given the potential there, is that they manage to stay in Senior One. And uh, you know, once they manage to do that, they can they can pick it up from here because. You know, all the players that you mentioned there, there's none of them sort of the wrong side of 30 or anywhere close to it. So, you know, they have a core that could actually put together a really good uh, hurling team for quite all over the next couple of years. But to take a step back down the grade, just it wouldn't, um, uh, you know, it it, it, it it wouldn't be ideal at this stage of their development, I think.
0: Um uh, Dotsy, you were on Dubs uh, commentary duty for the Lucan Sarsfields versus Saint Vincent's game as well, and that was one of these games. It was one of those groups, probably the group at the very end that was uh, most complicated for us because uh, it, it was so many different kind of permutations. But uh, Lucan Sarsfields beating Saint Vincent's in the end made it pretty straightforward. Lucan going through uh, alongside Saint Jude's. Um, how do you assess Lucan going forward? Again, one of these teams who. Uh, Many people kind of look at and, and they have a, obviously a bit of talent throughout the team, like some, some big-name players. Uh, Chris Crummies in there, his brother's in there as well, Paul. Uh, a lot of talent throughout the, throughout the team, a lot of experience throughout the team in, in McCaffrey as well. Uh, a team that maybe will look at themselves and see a, a quarterfinal against Craig Kieran. look at that, and potentially being able to look, look forward as well and, and, and uh, maybe have a, a right rattle at this championship.
1: Oh yeah, and and like look, Derek, they 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 bet chemical croaks Croaks in a quarter final last year, you know. So they, you know, they they're fully entitled to 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 view that and take that approach and, and believe that they can, you know, push on and win a county title, you know. So they ran Cooler tight enough last year in the semi final as well. So I think they've progressed since then. Uh, I think they've they've a better squad, a better panel, and they you know they seem to be playing better hurling as well. So why why can't they push on, you know? So um, very impressed with obviously Kieran Dowling or Dowser, you know, he, he's been very impressive. Um, he's scoring, he's he's a goal threat. Uh, and he's linking up well with Paul Crummy, who's was inside and is a real kind of target man as well and direct runner and he's looking to create things and create havoc amongst the the the, the opposition defence as well. So the lads are linking up well. Um I thought maybe they could have got the ball into them a, a bit more the the last day against Vincent and when they when they did get one in early, obviously Kieran got the, the crucial goal that kinda helped them kick on and win the game as well. So um yeah, no, but it's certainly been been impressed with them. The Matt McCaffrey, Chris Crummy, John Bellew, strong half back line as well and some of the scores. Connor mentioned Chris scoring there and you know, some of the scores he's getting, you know, I'm, I'm sure Craig Kieran will try and stop him and, and stop his influence because you know, we see some of these trademark long range points and one of the other score he got the last day drove forward, uh, running straight through the middle and got a fantastic score off the stick. Uh so he's a real driving force from there. Um, you know, and they've got the experience with Peter Kelly and Johnny McCarthy, the older heads then as well. And, you know, they seem to have just that, that great mix there as well. And the likes of Charlie Kerr has been coming in from the from the bench and adding huge kind of energy and well able to take a score and, and run at it maybe a run at a defense there as well so yeah I have to say I like like the look of them Um, again I think Kieran's will I think Ciarans will certainly test them as well and um, but they, they're, they're certainly improving and Shani McClelland has gone back in goal this year as well and you know he's a great lovely strike off the left-hand side and can laser passes there and pick out passes and has great vision there as well so he's that's been another kind of good move there by sean mccaffrey as well and that's worked out well and i think their fullback line have been quite impressive as well so yeah they, they seem to have a lot of guys in form and in good form as well so i'd uh yeah i'd expect a, a big big performance from them this weekend and you know
0: doing all they can to get into that semi-final yeah, Connery uh, Dotsie mentioned Kieran Dowling. He's a man in form, and I guess you need that. It's a it's fairly condensed championship, so it's only it's only over the space of a few weeks. If you're in form, you're you're in a good you're in a good place. I guess they have that sort of structure throughout the whole team. They look a very solid team, and they have that quality up top as well. A team that could potentially I won't even say cause a few surprises, but certainly uh, have a few big wins in the championship. Do you think?
2: Yeah, well they're a very established team. Um like Ronan Smith, I think, is another guy who's gives them an awful lot of energy around the middle. Um he's sort of he's not huge in stature, but he's just very, very athletic and very physically strong. And that's a feature of the Lucan team. They're a very abrasive team. Um they'll get in your face, they'll make sure that um you know they put everything into every collision. Um, but that'll only get you so far, you know. I mean I think the outstanding performance in championship last year for me was looking against chemical croaks because croaks had absolutely blitzed Bally Bowden earlier in the championship and they looked destined to go all the way. And sort of, I think Lukean shocked them that day. Um, and they just made sure that they got nothing easy. They turned over a huge amount of ball. They came out of rooks more often than not with possession and were able to feed them out to their scorers. And uh, for me, Dowling is like one of the, one of the standout players of the championship so far. Um, I th- probably since maybe Kevin O'Reilly, I'm not sure Lucan have had a free taker quite as accurate as, as Dowling was the last day. And again, like I think Paul Crummy gives them that outlet as well when the halfbacks are coming under a small bit of pressure. They can't quite work the ball out of defense and they can let it in and there's a, there's a decent chance they're going to win it. So yeah, I'd agree. Like I, I, th- I thought Lucan were a revelation in last year's championship and they've actually built on that. You know, they're the same management, the same players and they've probably improved as a team. So, um, you know, you'd look at them taking maybe a step closer to winning the championship this year. And Dotsy, we, we would have looked maybe at that group and seen maybe Lucan as
0: being as being one of the favourites to get out of the group, St. Vincent's and St. Jude's. It was a tricky group, St. Vincent's and Saint Jude's obviously right up there as well. The Vincent's defeat to Jude's on the opening day or the Jude's win over Vincent's on the opening day. Obviously the key... Factor in determining the the, the, uh, the final place in the group. A disappointing season for Vincent because you felt maybe that they would have had that quality uh, to to get out of the group and and again potentially go go far in this championship.
1: Yeah, yeah, I had I hadn't seen much of Vincent's, Derek, to be honest with you, and uh, yeah, seeing seeing them up close the last day, I think that like in fairness to them, they weren't that far off. You know, that was. The goal kind of proved crucial and gave Luke and the, the cushion towards the end, obviously, to to get the bit of a lead and hang on to it as well. So I thought l- a lot of good players as well, though, Connor were kind of bringing his inter-county form into into play as well. And they've got the, the McBrides and I thought James Mulcahy was quite good the last day as well. And, you know, uh, a lively corner forward, well able to take a score as well. So um the likes of Mark Sweeney there as well kind of a great ball carrier and a, a, you know a, a great guy to run at defenses as well so look i suppose they they'll be extremely disappointed to be gone and obviously that the, the Jude's game the first day turned out to be the, the crucial one there but um i think they've i think they're their average age they're quite a young side so they have certainly a lot to, a lot to build on and kind of you know there's no doubt they they can improve and maybe kind of kick on maybe and look towards next year as well
0: Okay guys, uh, before we go, we're gonna get you to now you're close to the mast here in terms of the quarterfinals. Uh we need some we need some decisions here, some straight talking. Nafina versus St. Jude's first of all. Connor, we'll go with you first. How do you see Nafina versus Jude's going?
2: I think Nafina will win it, you know. Um I know you spoke to last day but the addition of Liam Rush to the team, but to me what the big difference is with Nafina, um you know, last year when they were beaten by Bowden, they went very direct to Sean Ryan on the edge of the square, and it didn't really have the desired effect. But I think what um the likes of, you know, Shane Barrett and, and Liam Rush and Martin Quilty do is they work the ball very well out of defence and, and Nafina can play it through, you know, the likes of Donald Cork and the Curries and AJ Murphy. So, you know, I think Nafina are one of those teams that have, have kicked on a lot from last year um, and I think they work the ball a bit better and I think they probably learned from the mistakes of last year. So, yeah, no, I, I'd, I'd have Nafina as, as favourites for that one, all right. And Dotsie? Yeah, I
1: suppose. Uh, yeah, it's, it's hard to look beyond <laughs> Nafina, and I I'd probably give them the nod as well. But I suppose I just think Jude's will be doing all they can to exactly what Connor's talking about there. I think Jude's will, will be good at kind of trying to disrupt that and and stop stop Nafina kind of building the ball up from you know from the back in the middle as well. So uh, look, I, it's a game, I'm looking forward to it. Looking forward to all the games, but I suppose yeah, I would I would certainly fancy Nafina to win it. Yeah,
0: but I think I think it'll be I think it'll be certainly competitive anyway. Um, Lucan versus Crave is uh, another game that, again, maybe one of the two or three games that you would really see has been very, very competitive this weekend. Connor, how do you see Lucan versus Crave going this weekend?
2: Yeah, I think Lucan will win it. Um, Again, it's probably one of the two games this weekend where I wouldn't be surprised if it did swing the other way. You know, I do think Crave are a really good team. But um, for me, I think Lucan have, have raised it a bit from last year's levels. They have a better... They have a better selection of scorers, and I think they're just as defensively sound and just as sort of aggressive in the tackle and and good at winning turnovers. So um and, and actually, as Dotsie mentioned there, the move of Shani McClelland uh, to goalkeepers is a really, really sort of the interesting position for a fellow who looked like one of the best underage defenders in the country when he played minor for Dublin. So um yeah, I think they have a different kind of a different dynamic to them this year, and um I'd have uh Lucan as winners there.
0: And Dotsie?
1: Yeah, yeah, I'll, I'll agree with Connor again. Um, I think Craig Kieran. Um, I, I I think they'll come hugely fired up for this one in Parnell Park, and you know, uh, I don't think they'll in any way fear Luke. And but I just think I think Luke can have improved again, like we said from last year. Uh, I think they have a nice look to them, and they're they're showing a lot of composure around the pitch, and you know, they have a nice mix of experience there, and kind of younger guys coming into it as well. So they 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 seem to be taken along nicely. Um I expect them just to be able to deal with whatever's thrown at them from the grave,
0: and you know expect them to come out on top in the end uh Connor Chemical Croaks versus Plunkets. I guess uh, everyone would see Croaks as being big favourites for this one. Plunkets have done very, very well uh, to get out of the group, and they've done very well this year, but is it a step too far for them to see them to see, for you to see them uh, get past uh, Chemical Croaks in this quarter final?
2: Yeah, I think so. I think Croaks are probably the the form team in the competition. I'm not sure if there's another team in the championship. Um, that has the same sort of I don't know balance and attack if you want to put it that way you know if you look at fellas like Fergo Whiteley and quaylan Conway dropping deep into midfield and then with Ushan O'Rourke and there are Purcell and Hayes Alex Considine I think it's a really sort of well-functioning Croats attack um, and for me at this stage they're, they're definitely one of the favourites and, and I'd see them as as big favourites to win that game against Plunkets
0: and I'll see again the same for yourself
1: yeah, I, I'd have to go with McCod here, Derek, obviously. Um, I think they, they've just been in the right form coming into this as well. And, you know, they've been really well able to rack up big tallies and, and kind of do a lot of damage around, especially in that forward line as well. So uh, fully expect Plunkets to kind of come and, and give it everything and get stuck into it and, and make a game of it. But you'd have to fancy McCod to, to kick on here and push on into a semi-final.
0: Good stuff and then I guess the big game of the weekend certainly is Bally Bowden Sandandandes versus Kula, the repeat of last year's county final. It's on Sunday afternoon at four o'clock in Parnell Park. Jossie, we'll start with yourself. It's a big one. Uh, leave Connor let,
3: Connor, let Connor go for it. <laughs>
0: okay, a, con- <laughs> you're passing the book here. You're going to go the other uh, way, are you? Connor, we'll start a, with you can, then.
1: And we'll go for a draw for this one.
0: No, you're not. You have to know you're close to the mast here. It's a winner on the day anyway, so there'll have to be a winner at some point. Yeah, right. yeah well, uh, we want
1: penalties. We want drama. We want penalties. Are there penalties?
0: There is um, penalties if it goes that far. Yeah. yeah. How
3: do you see uh, this one going?
1: Yeah, I, I, I think it'll be close. Yeah, I think, I think this could be evenly enough matched as well. Maybe, maybe cooler, but have a little bit more kind of experience and big game experience uh, running throughout the team. Um, so. Uh, as I said, a draw or maybe cooler by a pint or two, I'd be looking at myself. But I think it'll be, I just this I think it'll be, the, it'll, it'll be the tightest of a lot of them and uh, fully expected to go down to the wire. So we might, you know, might cool it not by a pint or two, just maybe having a little bit more extra experience on the field, uh, or a, a bit of extra get or big time, big game experience on the pitch as well that might help them. But Again, uh, that's a very hard one to call, and I wouldn't be in any way surprised uh, if we do see penalties. Derek
0: could go that far. Connor, your your assessment of the game, the big one this weekend?
2: Yeah, I go with Bally Baldwin because we're agreeing as well to be too much over the first three. <laughs> uh, no, like I, 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 like it, it, I, literally, no result in this match would surprise me. Um, you know, third there there's definitely is a sense about Kula that they're on the way down, but like a lot of great teams, and Kula were and are a great team can win one can win a championship on the way down. Um, you know, as a team gets older or starts to creak or starts to spring injury. So, look, I just think without and we don't know for definite, but you know, it looks like they're not going to have O'Shea and Goff or um, Mark Shute, um, Colin Cronin as well, who who was huge for them last year in the in the final when he came on, um. You know, Cooler just they are missing quite a few players. You know, I know the likes of Jeremy O'Flynn and Lee Murphy have have given them added impetus in the last couple of years. You know, they've they've come into an all Ireland winning team and become important players for them. But um just for variety, I suppose, I'll go with Bolly Bowden. So we like. Okay, i reminder you that all four
0: games, the quarterfinals this weekend are live on Dubs TV. Nafina versus St. Jude's on Saturday at 3 o'clock. Luke and Sarsfields versus Crave Keir on Saturday at 5 o'clock, both live on Dubs TV. Chemical Croaks versus St. Oliver Plunkett on Row Sunday at 2 o'clock on Dubs TV in Parnell Park. And the big one to round off the weekend, Bally Bowden, St. Dendes taking on Kula, Sunday at 4 o'clock in Parnell Park, again live on Dubs TV. Dacia O'Callaghan and Conor McKeown, thanks a million for joining us. Cheers, Derek. Okay, welcome back. It's time to talk football now. And Connor stayed with us. Common Goggins has joined us as well for this. Hi, Common.
3: Hi, yeah, Derek. How are you, Connor. How are you getting on?
0: Great. Thanks a million. A quick look back at the results from the weekend in round three of the Go Ahead Dublin Senior One Football Championship wins for Nafina. And Ballybowden, St. Anders in Group 1 sees both of those teams through. Group 2, a little bit more complicated. Wins for Chemical Croak saw them through, but St. Vincent's uh, losing to Castelnoc and Ballantyre. Uh, Castelnoc and Ballantyre will have to go to a playoff to decide their second qualifier from that group. Wins for Thomas Davis and Banning on Kickhams in Group 3 sees them through over Scary's Harps and Clontard, respectively. And Group 4, St. Jude's and Lucan. Having wins against uh, Rendlesham Lusk and Saint Albert Plunkett on road, Jude's and Lucan Sarsfields go through to the quarterfinals. The Quarterfinal fixtures: Ballyboden Saint Endas taking on as uh, an as yet to be confirmed team in the quarterfinal. Chemical Croaks beating Na and probably the tie of the round. Ballymun Kickham's taking on Lucan Sarsfields and Saint Jude's meeting uh, Thomas Davis. Some uh, big quarterfinals awaiting there. Uh, Colin, we'll start with yourself. You are on Dubs TV commentary duty on Friday night for. Probably the tie of round three, which was Nafina versus Rohini, or certainly going into the weekend, it was, it was seeing, seen as being the tie of the weekend. Nafina coming out on top, uh, winning by 17 points to 11 to secure their place in the quarterfinals. How did you assess that game? What did you make of Nafina's performance?
3: You almost had a great weekend, there because that match was on Sunday. Even though you think it was played on Sunday? Friday, but however, hey, oh, don't worry, Friday, you're, Friday. All right. you're all right. It was a good weekend you had, no problem. It was. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, look, Nafina N- did enough to get over the line. Rahini would probably be raging. They had uh, a couple of goal chances inside the first fifteen minutes. One uh, great save. were um, hand made, and then the other one came crashing back off the the inside of the post. When you know those goals would have, you know, could have had a big impact in the game, but they didn't manage to get either of those in the first half. And the Fina were able to build out a bit of a lead. They were, you know, five up after probably ten or twelve minutes. Uh, their inside line was, you know, impressive throughout the game. They got, I think, twelve points across the um, across the game. Particularly, you know, James Dorn is, is industrious all around the field. But you know, Aaron Byrne was kicked a couple of good frees, got a couple from play, and then the standout performer was obviously Brian O'Leary with five points from play. So that inside line delivered on them. Conor McHugh obviously didn't start, so they yeah, got a bit of impact from the bench as well, which is always quite positive for a team when you've you know, a little bit of uh, power to come off the bench as well. But they probably, there's aspects of the game they need to develop on if they're looking to try and progress into a semi-final of Dublin Championship, particularly coming up against Crokes, who are probably red hot, given that they've performed in each round that they've played so far. So there's improvements to be made. They'll be happy, obviously, to get to where they're at. You know, ballyboden was a good test for them in round two of the, the group stages and uh, in terms of coming up against that level of uh, physicality. Rohini certainly didn't shirk any of that, but th- there's a room for improvement if it's the case they're going to try and turn over croaks in a couple of weeks' time, certainly.
0: Connor, I guess Rohini have put themselves in a decent position to get out of the group with the draw over ballyboden Enda's last week in the replay game. They had a, a win and a draw from their opening uh, two games going into the game against Lafina at the weekend, but it was the two who were expected to go through. Ballyboden St Enders and Nafina qualify from the group uh, deservedly, in your opinion, Connor?
2: Yeah, I think so. And like you know, you have to put into context as well that Nafina went into that game at the weekend against a Raheny team that had you know gotten that second bite against Ballyboden and eked out a draw from it, uh, which is fair going considering the you know the margin of defeat that they had previous to that. And Nafina also knew that if they lost or drew the game, they were going to be out of the championship. So. They were under pressure to produce a performance going into the game, and I thought that they were, you know, they had a couple of missed chances early on in the game. But as Coleman says, like their inside line was very, very good. Um, you know, what will be interesting now is how they perform at a higher level. You know, like the likes of Brian O'Leary and uh, and and Doran and, and you know Conor McHugh didn't start. You'd imagine he'd be in the shake up for the next day. Um, they're all very good. Finishers when they get on the ball and Aaron Bourne as well obviously gives them that energy but um you know the th- the step up now is is very intense you know when they when they come up against a chemical croaks defence they probably have five fellas or six fellas nearly who have played inter-county football at some stage so to get those players on the ball and scoring positions will be their big challenge the next day because there's no doubt that when those players uh, can get position get possession in uh, in in the scoring zone, you know, they have the kind of craft and the finishing ability to take a high number of those scores. So, you know, it's a big step up, but I think Nafina have been hovering on the kind of last day team for the last couple of years. Um, and it's kind of set up for them the next day. They'll, they'll come up against it, but this is the kind of the glass ceiling that they're going to have to go through at some stage if they're going to take that next step up.
0: Yeah. And again, uh, Bally Bowden saying, they have they're undefeated, obviously, two wins and a draw from their three games. Coleman. Uh, I know you, you obviously didn't see their game on um, Sunday against Whitehall, Column Kill. that was in O'Toole Park, but overall, Bally Bowden's and as many people kind of looking at them as potentially one of the two or three or four teams who could uh, who could win the title uh, based on their group performance so far. Is that something you'd agree
3: with? Uh, yeah, they're, they're seasoned, Derek, and they've you know, scored ability up front, they're... they're... They're solid defensively too. Don't give too much away, and then they have a decent pairing in the middle of the field in terms of winning possession. Uh, so that's what you know makes them, you know, give them the opportunity to go and win a, a title. Uh, they certainly have that pace, the power, and the know how to go ahead and do it. Uh, and and you know, you look across all of those quarterfinals. There's a couple of new, you know, I won't say new teams, but it's great to see kind of a, 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 the likes of Lucan coming through. You know, Jude's have obviously been knocking on the door. Davis is back around again. So you, you have teams who are starting to develop and grow and then you have the, the more seasoned teams, we'd say your Croaks and your Ballybodens, Ballymun. So, so there's a good mix across it, but certainly the way Ballybodens set themselves up, Anthony Rainbow has you know, you know know done great work with them over the last number of years. They have not only that defensive structure I've spoken about, but they have guys to get your scores. And if you're going to win a Dublin Championship, I think Conor has touched off it there, it's the guys who can find the gap when the margin gets tighter and finding space that are able to eke out the victories for the team. And Bowden have shown they can do that and have the players capable of getting them those scores and that's what will you know set them apart for, for either who, whoever comes out in terms of their own quarterfinal draw you'd probably give them the edge and the basis that they have that know-how and experience to win those tight championship matches
0: Yeah Ballybot and enders don't know who they're going to be facing yet because in group two was massively complicated I know coming, you had a big interest in this uh, from a volunteer point of view um, Chemical Croaks won beating volunteer on uh, Saturday afternoon I get my days right this time Saturday afternoon you know, two apart, 123 to six points. That puts chemical croaks through. There was big drama in Null, though, on um, Saturday evening. Castlenock beating St. Vincent's by 118 to 112. Uh, a point at the very end of the game for St. Vincent's, scored by Mossy Quinn, meant that Castlenock didn't actually qualify automatically. Uh, a seven-point win would have put them through to the quarterfinals. A six-point win wasn't enough. It means they have to have a playoff against volunteer St. John's to find out the other uh, quarterfinals who will play Bally Bowden's end in the uh, quarterfinals. So, uh, come on, I guess I'm not sure a lucky escape from a Ballantyre point of view. And I know going into the game, they were pretty confident that they might be able to do enough, uh, or that they had done enough in the group to, to qualify. So, kind of mixed emotions, I guess, after, after the games on Saturday.
3: Yeah, I'd say they were toasting Tomas Quinn anyway to give them a chance, at getting into a, a quarterfinal. I was nervous at the start of the championship around Ballantyre. The group was, you know, Vincent's. Um, you know, hard team to get over, Castle Lock as well, difficult team to beat. Um, so it makes it was always going to be difficult for them even to you know secure a victory to allow them to try and you know get to a quarter final position, and then there was fearful that there might be relegation playoff coming their way. So the fact that they managed to get a result puts them in a position of trying to get into a quarter final of a Dublin senior championship because they're you know a young group of guys, certainly season guys that are hanging around for a while there that are still contributing to the team but there's, you know it's a kind of a freshness that's come through new manager looking after the team so it'll be a huge opportunity if, if they can take it to get into a quarter final and pitch yourselves against the, the stronger teams i don't think they're there yet in terms of competing against your ballybodens or croaks to go win a dublin championship but to to learn what you need to do to get there it's a great opportunity for them to to try, test themselves in a Dublin Championship quarter final, albeit there's a big match that have to be played against Castleknock, who certainly fancy their chances as well. And having only recently been in a Dublin Club final or a Dublin County final, will certainly fancy themselves in getting the results. So, interesting game, but a great opportunity for Ballantyr in terms of their development, certainly.
0: Yeah, the game, Connor, will be a replay of their game, the group game, obviously, um, which Ballantyr came out on top by, I think it was five points. Uh, they beat Kassanok, but beat Casanoff the last day round. So, as Coman said, there'll be confidence from a Casanoff, from a volunteer, or rather from a Casanoff point of view, having been in county final recently, Volunteer won't be going into that game, I guess, without any sort of confidence, considering they, they did beat Casanoff the last day. It has to be pointed out, I mean, chemical croaks, three wins from three, you know, the, the team of the group, and as expected, qualified qualified top. And again, one of the teams who many people are predicting to be in the mix for the title come uh, the end of the championship. The other three teams, though, obviously very even, evenly mixed, only literally a point or two in terms of scoring difference between them in the end. Uh, Ballantir, probably the team or certainly the team who will look at that group and be pretty happy, maybe, uh, you know, to still be with a chance of being in a quarterfinal spot, considering many people would have felt that they would have been kind of the, the relegation team uh, before the championship started.
2: Yeah, I think that's fair enough. Um, you know, given the turnover uh, of really, really, I suppose, important players to Vincents over the last few years. And maybe the lack of outstanding talent coming through in Vincents. I think it was inevitable that they were going to fall away from where they had been, um, which was basically, you know, an incredibly consistent and successful previous decade. So there was the second spot behind Crokes. I think Crokes are... you know, over the last four or five years, they've had on seasons and they've had off seasons. And when they've been on, they've been very, very good. And this does look like it's one of those seasons. You know, if you want to talk about a spread of scorers, you know, they they really have incredible talent up front. You know, Paul Mannion, I think, there has been an awful lot of pairs of eyes on him this year, even when he was playing in the league, just because he wasn't in with Dublin, and there's been an awful lot of talk about the possibility of him coming back in with Dublin. But you know, the other night Hugh Kenny was exceptional, as was Dara Mullen. Um, but regarding the other match, you have to wonder what sort of, you know, like Castle Lock will obviously be happy that they're not out of it yet, but they were 12 points up, I think, on Vincent's the other night and only won by six in the end. And if they'd won by seven, they wouldn't have had to go through this playoff match. So it's hard to know. I think Volunteer are, are properly sort of, you know, the, the cliche of an up and coming team. They are because they've been awful out of youth, an awful lot of youth and awful lot of pace. Whereas Castle Lock um, are still sort of. You know, they were a very, very solid outfit. Um, an awful lot of the players that were the leaders of the team when they were in the county final against Vincent five years ago, I think, are still kind of keeping them going. So, like, it'll be a close match. It'll be a really tight match. Um, you just wonder how having to play that extra match will affect either of those teams that has to go into the quarter final. But at this juncture, I think it probably be fancy um, volunteer to take it.
0: Um, okay fancy
2: and volunteer to take that that's
0: kind of maybe slightly outside of what other people have been saying. Uh, Coleman from a Vincent's point of view as Connor mentioned there they've obviously gone through incredible success over the past number of years but they've fallen away and they're in a relegation playoff against Whitehall Column Kill they have to play Whitehall for the uh, opportunity to stay up. Disappointment for them this year they would have been hoping obviously to get out of the group and would have been looking at that group with some sort of confidence that they might might have been able to do that as well.
3: Yeah, I think Connor touched off it there. They've, they've lost such household names that have stood them in good stead over the last number of years that there was always going to be a bit of a, a rebuild coming their way. They, they certainly would have, you know, fancied getting results maybe against Castle Lock and Ballantier. Managed to pull off, you know, get a result against Ballantier. Uh, but, you know, it's it's it can, nothing can last forever, I suppose. And and a lot of those uh, big names that have drifted away from the team, um it's difficult to replace them. Certainly, they have enough talent coming through. You know, some of the underage talent that they have coming through will will add to the team. So it's probably a bit of a rebuild and and start over again a little bit and try and get back to where they're at. Uh, whereas you know some of the teams that are coming through, like you mentioned, Davis's, you know, there's a group of young lads who've been there for a couple of years and now starting to drive it forward. Uh, similarly, Jews look like they've they've uncovered one or two new faces as well. So it's uh, adding into what you already have. It, it, you know, compliments obviously what you're trying to do going forward. And, and Vincent's maybe just haven't had that turnover of bodies over the last number of years. And they probably have to fill too many holes. And that's maybe where they just fell a little bit short this year.
0: Yeah. Uh, you mentioned Thomas Davis there in Group Three. They had a win. That was the Friday game I was talking about. That Thomas Davis beating Scary's Harps by 2.16 to seven on Friday evening. That sees them go through to the quarterfinals. And Ballymun Kickham's winning the other game by 14 points to nine against Clon Tarf. Um, Disappointment for Scary's Harps, I guess, because they, had a, they were pretty decent the week before. I think, Coleman, you were on commentary duty, were you, for their game against Ballymun Kickhams a couple of weeks ago. Um, you know, Disappointment for them in that performance on Friday night against Thomas Davis. They would have gone into that following the, the draw over against Ballymun with a, a lot of confidence that they could beat Thomas Davis and obviously qualify for the quarterfinals. It didn't turn out that way at all for them.
3: No, they they had a you know a foot on the throat for a, want of a better way of expressing that on the the, the previous week where they had uh, they were point to the good and if probably had not the point over the bar they're two up, and the game has drifted into injury time and you win the match and it's a massive result and it gives you a great fill-up and the reverse is the case then when Ballymun managed to tag on and equalise and score and suddenly it's it's deflation almost that you haven't managed to get over the line given you were close to pulling off a a, a big shock and I'm not saying that was the the reason maybe they didn't they underperformed the last day out. But there might have been some legacy piece around just the the opportunity that was there by beating Ballymun was suddenly stripped away from them, even though they had a chance the last day out. They just didn't manage to to perform. And, you know, probably the two teams who are expected to come out of the group come out of the group, albeit that Ballymun probably haven't been playing to the level that they, you know, certainly the, the previous year, they were at a different level to everyone else because of the fact that they were together for 10 or 12 weeks consistently. But they just don't seem to have, you know, got to the pitch of where they were last year or even just in terms of their performances this year. And they'll need a big lift going into a quarter-final because, you know, Lucan have yeah, put up some big scores and they play quite well. There's a good group of young lads coming through there in Lucan and, Luke and they're, they're, they're building towards something. So if they can get a run on Ballymon, it might be difficult for them given they just haven't got to the point where they're able to, you know, they're getting results certainly, but they're just not you know, putting together, I suppose, those standout performances that maybe we expect to see from them given they have such a, a litany of household names in their ranks.
0: Yeah, Connor, the enigma that is Ballymoon-Kickhams uh, this year. Um, I mean, I, I, everyone knows the, the issues that they face from you know having, having the county players over the past number of years. And obviously that wasn't the case last year in terms of the, the, the county players being fresher for them last year. And we saw how well they performed this year. Um, They're the same players, but they haven't been able to click so far in the championship. Uh, how do you assess them going into the quarterfinals? They obviously have a quarterfinal against Luke and Sarsfield's how do you assess that, and do you see them potentially clicking at some point to go forward, and 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 still maybe be seen as one of the favourites for the championship, or do you see their kind of level performance staying as it is?
2: Uh, it's probably not the easiest thing in the world to predict. You, you, you know, judging by the the scariest performance and their kind of their trajectory since then, you know, you would think that they were timing their own, and I think the draw that they had would have facilitated that. Um, but if they are timing the run and if they had time to run and, you know, fueling that, I think, would be not just the fact that they've had players who are involved in Dublin. A lot of those players have, have been injured, you know, um, have carried injuries into them, into this championship that they're just trying to clear up. So um, that's why you to suspect that they're kind of timing the run as opposed to last year when they just hit the championship at a million miles an hour and actually sustain that pace all the way to a final when they produced one of the great sort of Dublin final performances I can never remember against Ballyboden. Bowden. Um, they're nowhere near that now, but whether that's enough to give Lucan a chance, like I think Lucan scored 2-23 the other night against um, Plunkett's. It's a huge score to go into a quarter quarterfinal. Um, and particularly when you have so many young players, as Lucan do, um, who are a little bit, I'd imagine, unperturbed at this level, that don't have any sort of great baggage coming up against these teams. I I think you'd probably prefer to be in Lucan's position than Munn's, which is you know, sort of assuming or certainly hoping that everything comes together on the day. But um, look, I'd still expect Bally Bowden to, w- or Bally Moon to win that game against Lupin in the quarterfinal just because of the quality that they have to call on in the team and the experience that they have. But in terms of the wider picture of the championship, um, you know, you'd have to really see how they perform in that game to, to pitch them alongside, say, a team like Crokes, who are very, very, firmly in form when you're you know just putting together your, your list of favourites for the championship. Yeah
0: I guess it shows how good they were last year that we're kind of saying well they could get to the semi-final this year and still maybe not be close to even hitting the form that they did last year. Um comment a word on Thomas Davis um they obviously were somewhat unlucky to lose their opening game against Ballymon Kickham's having led uh the 20 minutes to go in that game by quite a big margin. I think it was something like eight points. Um Two wins from the last two games sees them into the quarterfinals. Uh, they look like a, a pretty decent outfit, a pretty decent unit going into the quarterfinals in terms of their work rate throughout the pitch. And uh, how do you assess them going into the quarterfinal where they will face, obviously, St. Jude's?
3: Yeah, I, I think Jude, that judes Davis's game could be a, an interesting game in the base that they're they're two fairly physical teams, that they don't shirk you know, tackles, they get stuck into each other. Jude's certainly have a, a great way of setting up defensively. I think Davis would have been disappointed against Ballymun. They probably should have seen out the game, got opportunities, but didn't get scores in the second half when they managed to, to turn over some of the Ballymun attacks. But they've been good since then. They've obviously gone on and progressed into the quarterfinals. So they're fairly solid without having maybe, you know, any, I don't mean any standout individuals. They certainly have guys who can impact the game, but they're certainly as a collective, you know, very impressive in how they set up and how they defend. And then also how they they counterattack with such pace so that's where, you know, that judes Davis's game could be very interesting because Jude's similarly have a great way of, of setting traps defensively to, you know, try and swallow up attackers, midfielders breaking through, and then they spring with great pace and have, you know, a fairly potent inside line as well. So, you know, I'm looking forward to that game. I know potentially the title around is croaks in the phone of it, Nafina, but, you know, I'm looking forward to that judes Davis's game because I think you have Jude's who've come a bit past, you know, being reliant on Kevin McManaman and have found other, you know, players that can get scores for them. And you know, fellas, they've had, and also some new names coming through. And then Davis's as a collective will certainly see opportunity to try and better that you know championship finally had a couple of years ago, where they they're building, they're still trying to develop as a team, but they have a good solid structure to them, how they set up. So I'm actually looking forward to that Jude Davis game. I think it'll be a really good one, and you know, both teams you know well matched, uh, and both teams probably knocking on the door, particularly Jude's of a Dublin championship over the last you know eight or ten years, where you know, they'd love to get through that glass ceiling and go and win a title for, you know, for a change.
0: Yeah, word on Jude's, comment because you were on commentary duty for that game on Sunday. Uh, Jude's versus Roundtowers, look, 223 to seven points, victory for St. Jude's. I was talking to Gareth Roach afterwards, the St. Jude's manager, and he was talking about how the fact that he was nearly happier with the seven points conceded, the low enough conceding, uh, rather than the 223, because they have been scoring pretty well over the past uh, few games, one fourteen mm-hmm. they scored in the opening draw against uh, Luke and Sarsfields, uh, three seventeen in their win over Saint Oliver Plunkett on row, and then obviously two twenty three at the weekend. Do you feel they have that blend? Because they've been quite like known for a long time as being a strong defensive team who maybe have struggled at the other end of the pitch. Do you feel they have kind of improved that other end of the pitch and maybe have the right blend to go on and do some damage in this championship?
3: Yeah, I was certainly impressed with them. You know, the last day out there, you know, admittedly Round Towers are are you know a coming team. They've they've a bit of development to do. There's a bit of seasoning to do there in terms of their own physicality. But you know, Jude's have always prided themselves on making it difficult for teams to get scores against them. Where sometimes has fallen down for them is their inability to, you know, break down a move and then counter and get something from it. You know, the, the inside line I think scored you know two twelve or two sixteen the last day. I'm not. Uh, I think it was you know. To Yeah, two sixteen 16 or something that they got, you know, or 2 uh, in from their inside line, uh, which was massive scoring to get, you know. So, so there's loads of potential if you can, you know, get the ball into those guys. The, the challenge that they have is what they're going to come up against defensively now is going to be a step up versus maybe what they've met in a couple of those games. So where you, you need the scores to come from is where, you know, maybe Kevin McMenamin was delivering three, four, five points or one, four or five for you in championship matches. The positive from them is that he only managed to get a point and I, I, I don't say he only managed, he got a point the last He's still very influential and involved in the game. But when you can get guys stepping forward and, and getting some scores for them, and Brian Coakley came in off the bench as well and kicked 0 3 plus a point from Dermot McLaughlin. So, you know, if you have forwards can score and then you're able to bring in a few subs who can add into the mix as well, well, then you're giving yourself an opportunity in terms of, you know, different options from an attacking point of view. So, defensively, they're almost always fairly sound. The big question is can they create space and give ball to guys to get scores when the margins are that bit tighter, that bit more difficult to get a score. And if they can, then I think, you know, as a unit, they look very, very strong. It, it's The big question is when the you know, defensive structures they come up against are something similar to their own, or you have individual markers who are maybe better than what they've come up against, can they free up guys to get scores? And if they can do that, they're certainly going to challenge Davises in the quarterfinal, but can they actually push past that and take on the bigger teams where maybe they've just struggled over the last number of years when that last question has been asked of them?
0: OK, before we go, uh, going to ask you, going to put you on the line here, put you under pressure and decide who the uh, four quarterfinal winners are, the four semi-finalists. Um, obviously, we don't know who Bally Bowden's in and is going to be facing yet. So uh, we'll... Well, Ballantir will win
3: that one. That's, a, you know, that's a given. He's <laughs> Connor, confirmed. Connor's after okay. giving Ballantir the nod. <laughs>
0: uh, the other three quarterfinals, so Chemical Krogs versus Nafina. How do you see that one going, results-wise? Uh, Common, we'll go with you first.
3: Uh I, I I've been impressed with Nafina up front, but I just think Croaks are probably better collectively and a little bit, you know, um more seasoned in terms of seeing out the result and getting the result from it. So i I give a, a slight fancy to Croaks, albeit if Nafina can come with a performance, they might be just able to put a, a stopper on Croaks, but i tip Croaks on the on my side.
2: And Connor? Yeah, I'd agree with that. Um again, like I think Nafina are coming pretty strong, but you know, in, in a situation like this championship, um you'd be inclined to back the horse that's in the most form and croaks they're, they're in terms of talent. um, they, you know, they have so many players that can hurt you up front. They have a really well-organized structure to back. And I think with Rory O'Carroll playing a bit in midfield, he's kind of given them a bit of steel there. And um, in some of the games, they also have a bit of experience from having won a championship a couple of years ago with much the same team. So, you know, I, I have been really impressed with Nafina and I think, um, in, in nearly any other situation, I'd tip them to win a quarter final, but I, I do think Croaks will win that one.
0: Okay, uh, that's Chemical Croaks uh, through to the semi finals unanimously and balantier. There's two of the, the semi finalists confirmed. Ballymun Kickens versus Lucan Sarsfield, Coleman.
3: Uh, I've I, I... I won't say I'm concerned for Ballymun. They certainly can win, you know, championships and they have players to win championship matches. They just aren't playing particularly well. So they, they need to probably improve on their performance. And I think on the back of the couple of results Luke can have, they'll hit that Ballymun game with a little bit of expectation, a little bit of positivity, and they can feel that they might be able to, to put a run on them. All that said, given the experience they have and the know-how, if they can, you know, manage to just, you know, sort themselves out a little bit better than they have been, and that's not, you know trying to be, anyway, overly critical of them. Ballymun probably have the know-how and experience to, to get critical scores in the last 10 or 15 minutes that'll see them out the gap. So I think Lucan will hit it with great energy, but I think Ballymun's experience will probably get them over the line.
2: Do you agree, Connor? Yeah, I do. Yeah, I do. I think, again, Lucan would be a bit like Nafina. They're probably a little bit behind Nafina in terms of the development, but I think Lucan, over the next couple of years, will be a team to watch in Dublin. But, um, you know, I mean, Ballymun are the county champions. There's probably more... All Ireland medals in that Ballymoney dressing room than there has ever been in any club team in Ireland. So, and um, it would be you know you'd, you'd have to have huge faith in Luke and to imagine that they'll that they'll cause an upset there. And when it comes down to it, I just think just just the experience like guys like Dean Rock and James McCarthy who just have a great sort of game intelligence for matches at that level. Um, you know, you imagine that they'll see Ballymoney through.
0: You mentioned the uh, Jews Thomas Davis game, uh, Coma, that you're very much looking forward to. How do you see that one going? You need to pick a winner now.
2: Yeah,
3: I I don't see it being a shootout. It's probably more war of attrition stuff. You know, two teams who will try and negate each other rather than you know try to outscore each other. Um, yeah, difficult one to call. It, it probably comes right down to the wire. I just haven't seen Jude's maybe and also seen you know Thomas Davis against Ballymun. I was, I was impressed with Jude's. I impressed with how they moved the ball. And I think that Jude's might just get out the gap on this one on the basis that they have a couple of more options up front than maybe they have heretofore. Albeit it'll be, it'll be a very tight one, probably come down to the last couple of minutes before a winner will actually stick their head through, if not even you know, extra time. It, I think it'll be that tight, but i fancy Jude's.
2: And Connor. Yeah, I'm in agreement. Judes are probably the team that um, if you were to pick an outsider maybe to win the championship, uh, and I wouldn't consider Jules to be that far of an outsider, but um, given the level of consistency that they've had over the past 10 years, um they've been in so many semi-finals, I think it was eight of the last 10 or eight of the last 11, but um, I think Jules look a little bit better again this year. They've had an awful lot of consistency in terms of the selection and in terms of management with Garrett Roach there, and they've kind of they've come up against pretty much everything now at this stage um and you know if if a team plays with a very low block and get men behind the ball, they know how to work scores uh, they have a bit of potency off the bench um with Brian Coakley and Timer McLaughlin who came on the last day and I think they're just a little bit better or look a little bit sharper or a bit more um, evolved, uh, if you want to put it that way, tactically than they than they have been in the last couple of years. So, yeah, no, I think Gilles will come come through that and they'll come very close, I think, to winning it too.
0: And in general, do either of you see, whoever wins the game between Ballantyre and Castlenock, Ballyboden will go into that game as favourites, uh, the quarterfinal between Ballyboden and either Castlenock or Ballantyre. Do you see either Castlenock or Ballantier, um being able to put it up to Bowden and, and actually beating Bowden going all the way, or do you see Bowden fairly comfortably winning that quarter final nonetheless?
2: I think Bally Bowden will win it. You know, you know, same thing. They're in that bracket of you know, they're probably somewhere between Ballymoon and Croaks in that, you know, they have the experience, but they're also in a bit better form than say Ballymoon are. Um, you know, the dynamic that's interesting there is, you know, this could probably be Anthony Rainbow's last year with Bally Bowden, given that he's going in with Glenn Ryan now and the Kildare setup. So um you know they'll they'll definitely be sort of eager to to ring another county title out of it, and they, like they definitely have the talents. You know, there's no doubt about that.
0: Okay, guys, listen. Thanks a million for joining us there uh, this week. That was uh, Coleman Goggins and Conor McKeown. Okay, welcome back now. In the first two weeks of our Club Focus, we've spoken to Naive Baroque chairman Martin Kiernan and the Naive Olaf chairman John Summers about everything that's going on at their clubs. Uh, you can take a look back at those two uh, episodes on the Dublin GAA YouTube channel. I'm delighted to be joined on this episode this week by the Castlenock chairman, Kevin O'Shotnessy. Kevin, thanks a million for joining us.
4: No problem, Derek. Thanks for having me.
0: Not at all. Um, I guess, first of all, tell us a little bit about Castlenock, uh, where you're based... Uh, when you were formed, you are a pretty pretty young club. So tell us all about Castlenock, GA club.
4: We're approximately 23 years old at this stage. So in, in the context of WGA, we're a very young club. Um, we're based in Castlenock, Carpenters Town and Blanchardstown area, but mainly in Carpenters Town and um, We have over 3,500 members at this stage and over 150 teams, approximately 155. So we're a rapidly growing club.
0: Yeah, growing club and a club that has, has seen, I guess, um, a lot of success in, your, in your, short, your short life because we've seen you reach a county final back in 2016, for example, at a, at a senior level. We've seen you you've kind of come on quite a lot over the past, you say, 23 years, since 1998 when you were formed. Uh, I guess, first of all, tell us about the work you're doing at juvenile, academy level, underage level to kind of try and grow the club and keep growing the club as we've seen over the past 23 years to, to go even further
4: obviously our nursery is extremely important to us at this stage we've over 400 children in the nursery all which is coordinated by a group of volunteers which um, maria bergen our gbo facilitates so that's where we start but what we've seen recently is a huge increase in the female participation at nursery and many age groups is now 50 50. so obviously we've teamed them from um, underage right through to minor and um, we have we've had some success but probably the the thing to take most from it is our participation levels are huge in our schools. And we have six those six main primary schools and we service them well. Um, we have a lot of mentors, obviously volunteers is a big issue, but we don't have any particular problems getting volunteers for our juvenile teams. It's probably the on-off field where the volunteers are most needed at this stage in the club.
0: Um, Uh, From the point of view then of Juvenile uh, of Juvenile Academy and all all that kind of thing um, I I guess Saturday mornings is is, is generally the place to be uh, at most Mm -hmm. GA clubs around the county and for yourselves I'm sure as well
4: Yeah because that's over 400 children on a Saturday morning Um, we run two early two slots on a Saturday because it's just gone too big so there's people like Barbara O'Neill Lisa Kiernan who work closely with um, Maria and it's to our great credit, and there's a whole group of volunteers there. Some of them, one of the and um, people at the club twenty three years goes down and helps mark out the pitches and everything. So we're very grateful that for that group because if you get that group wrong right, then you get the parental involvement. They tend to stay with you then for life.
0: Um, from a senior point of view, we we all know Kieran kenny and the likes of Luke Swan who've done so well at underage level as well. Obviously Kieran at, at a senior level. And he is, I guess, the star of the club. You are in the Senior 1 Football Championship still. Uh, there's a, there was a lot of uh, drama at the weekend. <laughs> at the weekend, you have a playoff against Ballantyre St. John's to come uh, over the coming days to see if you can qualify out of the um, out of group, I think it was two, in the Go Ahead Senior 1 Football Championship. You're also in the quarterfinals of the Senior B Hurling Championship. So uh, obviously the good work you're doing at underage level is filtering up into the senior teams as you, uh, as you try and progress there as well.
4: Yeah, we're seeing more and more success at senior level and it's not just at the first team. Um, this year we'll have had 13 um, male senior teams and that's from mine up. As of now, 12 of them have qualified for the quarterfinals for the championship and we're just waiting for the senior team hopefully to do the job early next week. So that that's one of the um great proud achievements I think people take from the club. That it's not just about the first team, but now um we five football teams and they've all qualified for the quarterfinal final their championships. Four Horland teams and that's right they've qualified and the four minor teams have qualified as well. So that's significant.
0: Yeah, big time. And then I guess how valuable is it to have somebody so well known as Ciarán obviously being involved with the club in terms of even helping the profile of the club because a lot of people would know Castleknock based on the fact that obviously Ciarán is, is, is such a valuable part of the, of the Dublin senior football team. How, how big a help is it to have someone like Kieran there as well with you? It's great
4: for the, for the younger people in the club to have somebody like Ciarán to aim for, to look at and to see what can be achieved. Through hard work, uh, knowledge, and skill, either may I add. But Kieran, it, you know, he sees himself as part of the club. And I think that's the important thing. When Kieran comes, like Kieran's playing football in Horland this year with the senior teams in the club. And he gives 100% all the time he plays. So, as a role model, it's important to have him there. And also, it spreads the name of knock around. Yeah, our schools now are very, very strong. So, while well, Kieran is a focus of that, we have to live. Work for the future. Kieran won't always there, be there, and you know he won't mind saying But hopefully, has not will always be there, and we owe it to on and other people, especially the three people who founded the club twenty-three years ago, and all the people who've served since to, to keep on
0: driving it forward and making it better and bigger. Um, there's. Obviously, uh, there's a you have a, you have a few local rivals in the area, and you know the likes of uh, obviously St. Bridget's aren't too far away from yourselves, and um, you know Plunketts aren't too far away from yourselves either. These these sort of clubs. Uh, how guess what sort of role does Castlenock have in the general area outside of? G- I mean, obviously the GAA is a huge part of it, but you know it's a, it's a focal point in 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 the area overall, and obviously. Uh, it, it plays a big part in the area, both from a GA point of view and outside of that as well, I'm sure.
4: Well, I think we're seeing more and more as a centre of the community, certainly around where our pitches are and all of that. But I think that can be seen from last year during COVID. Um, we ran two fundraisers. Obviously, when you're chairman of the club, you you'd probably would like the fundraisers we run for the club. But given the period of was, everybody was very happy. And we raised... Um, 25,000, I think it was, for the local hospice and 30,000 for the, um, what would you call it, um, women who are in need of shelter. So that's typical of where the club is seen nowadays. It's not just seen as a pure J club, it's seen as part of the community. And that's very important that we drive that forward. So we're well integrated into the community. We're only 23 years old, but then most of the houses, and most of the club members aren't in this club a long time so that's one of the challenges we have when we're competing with all our clubs we have not seen our nursery um people come back into the club as mentors so that's something to look forward to seeing in the
3: future
0: yeah big time and like i say the fact that you're so young there's, there's so much potential to to improve in the future as well we'll get to that shortly but first of all uh, you mentioned covid there um COVID is a challenge for every single club throughout the whole country, for everybody throughout the whole country, you know, GA clubs and non-GA clubs, obviously. Uh, you're a young club. How did it affect yourselves in terms of the impact on the club? I'm sure it was obviously it was closed down for, for large parts of the last year and a half or so. Uh, how did it affect the club? And I guess coming out of it now, and we look like we're coming out the far side of it, uh, how, what's the lasting impact of COVID that it's had on the club, I guess?
4: I don't see any huge lasting impact. It was very frustrating. We opened our club was approximately nearly two years ago. But I don't, don't think any of the dressing rooms have been used since we opened it. So that was very frustrating. So but in fairness to most teams, we put it, we were very strict and people bought into it. I think that's the very encouraging thing. People bought into it. And I think in many ways it's brought the club closer together and Hopefully we can drive on from that, but um, I don't see any lasting problems financially. We ought to be obviously careful in the way we manage the club, both the executive and the club all pull together, and I think we're in a strongest position now as we
0: were entering COVID. That's great to hear, and I know a lot of clubs are probably, you know, in a similar boat where they they took on big projects just before COVID, and they have obviously haven't been able to see the fruits of those projects. Uh, yet, and hopefully they will do uh, over the coming uh, weeks and months when things do reopen more and more and more. I mean we mentioned the fact that it's um, a young club, a growing club, and we've seen that at uh, underage level and, and senior level. You obviously have aims and hopes to grow the club even even more over the coming years and uh, and uh, see it see it grow both at juvenile level and at senior level as well.
4: Yeah, I think that's one of the big dilemmas: how big can a GA club be? Um, as I say, we've built three and a half thousand members, 155 teams, and um, five senior adult teams, football, and um, four hurling teams. I think Gares next year will have three football teams, mostly three football teams, and that's not counting under 20 and minor teams. So it is difficult. Facilities is a big challenge. Um, it's difficult enough at weekends, but trying to get training. We have a major project that we're looking to go ahead and we put down 12,500 square metres of training grass during COVID because it was allowed. And we're now looking for sparse capital funding to put floodlights on it. But that project will cost us nearly half a million. Um, and that's only one of the projects we have to do. So the, I suppose the challenge for us is that is to grow facilities and sweat those facilities more so we can facilitate the growing club because it is likely, looking at the demographics in the area, the club is going to grow for a number of years yet and with the increasing female participation, the demand on facilities is going to grow and grow and grow, so that's the biggest challenge.
0: Yeah, and I guess that, that you mentioned the demographics there, it's obviously a growing area as well as you mentioned, and, and the fact that the the more and more women are, are coming on board. It's a very exciting time for yourselves because it means that you look to the future with great hope that the grow, that the club can keep growing as long as you can kind of uh, try and find these facilities to, to accommodate everybody.
4: Yeah, um, that's the big challenge is managing the facilities, upgrading facilities, engaging with Fingal County Council um, because we have our own facilities in Somerton but we also use Fingal and um, County Council facilities in Porter Sound Park and St. captain's Park and they they have been good partners of ours so we have to continue to grow that relationship and I think one of the positive stairs of female participation we have 2020 or 2022 I'm not saying which year was it of female participation but like we three camogie teams this year, and they got the, in the three camogie finals. So I think we have a positive message um, to sell to the decision makers in society. So we would be obviously pushing that envelope as much as we can.
0: It's funny, I guess you're a club as well, um, Kevin, that, you know, you're only 23 years old uh, this year. So you're probably a club at the start who felt you were maybe uh, you know, on the smaller scale of things compared to the big clubs around you and the big clubs in Dublin, certainly the, big, the bigger clubs around you. But over the last number of years, you've, you've now become one of the big boys if, if, from a club point of view in, in, the, in the county as well. So it's, uh, over that 23 years, you've grown so much over, the, over that time, especially over the last 10 years or so that you've become you know, going from that a club where you were kind of maybe seen as a small club to now becoming one of the big clubs in the county and again, hoping to grow further.
4: Yeah, I recall a, a moment I had with John Shalney when he was chairman of the county board. I was watching Castle Not playing one of our local rivals in Parnell Park, and he he, he talked about when we were formed, and we, we, people who were formed the club, and I wasn't one of those going around telling everybody, actually, yes, nobody's anything to do. You we were only a small club, and he was sort of pointing out the fact that we, how much we progressed and how we, know we were so competitive with our local um, clubs in the area. But yeah... It's important that we grow. It's important that we're more competitive. But I think it's important that we keep the fabric of the club the same. The, the big challenge, really, for a club like ours is everybody knew everybody 20 years ago, 15 years ago even. We're they're so big, trying to remember people's names, trying to know people. So you have to work hard at keeping that identity of being the parish, as John Castle would say, or something like that, and that people would relate to that still. So that's the big challenge is how you can grow and yet how you can stay as an effective community organisation.
0: You mentioned earlier on one of the issues has been trying to get volunteers maybe off the pitch as as much as being on the pitch. Obviously, uh, I'm sure you'd be looking for volunteers both on and off the pitch. How do people get involved with the club? I'm sure there are a lot of people around the Casanoff area who would like to get involved with the club and don't know how to do that. How do they get involved with the club? And I guess what sort of, Things would you be looking for people who, who, who would do want to get involved in the club to do? Well,
4: we've any amount of tasks, and obviously, from executive level down, most people are afraid of getting involved in the executive because, you know, the, the amount of time it takes. But from people who will manage functions but won't be on the executive, the people who will cut the grass, and um, have a, a group of great people there who will look after our facilities they need to be supplemented and um, nursery people it's so right across the whole spectrum of activities at juvenile level it tends to be easier because parents are involved with their children so somebody will step up to the plate and say i'll get involved in running the team because I, I can see the direct effect on my children but there's a whole back office in the club back office functions be a registrar be it, um helping keep the clubhouse in tip-top condition. And so we can, anybody who wants to get involved in the club, we can find something for them to do at different levels. And the easiest place is castledock.net is the um, website, and there's various contact details in that of all the officers in the club.
0: Yeah, I had a look at it there uh, last night and there's a big list of contact details on it. So you can pretty much contact anybody with regards to, to uh, Casanoch GA Club and find those details on Uh Kevin, thanks very much for joining us uh, this week on the Go Ahead Dublin Club Championship show. It's been great to chat all things Casanoch and see the great work you're doing both at underage level and juvenile level and senior level, but also the aims that you have for the future as well. So thanks very much for joining us.
4: And thanks, Derek, I probably, I haven't said yet, but I think we'd like to acknowledge the county board and the, the assistance they've given us over that period of time too.
0: Thanks, Kevin. Kevin, no shock to see there. And that is episode three of the Go Ahead Dublin Championship show for this week. A quick look at the games taking place this weekend, which are all live on Dubs TV in the Go Ahead Dublin Senior A Hurling Championship quarterfinals. Nafina versus St. Jude's is on Saturday afternoon at 3 o'clock throw-in live from Parnell Park on Dubs TV, as is the Lucan Sarsfields versus Crave quarter final. a 5 o'clock throw-in for that on Saturday evening, again live from Parnell Park. On Sunday, there are two games, Chemical Croaks taking on St. Oliver Plunkett on row, 2 o'clock throw-in for that one at Parnell Park. And then the big one of the weekend, it's Batty Bowden-St. Enda's versus Kula, a repeat of last year's county final on Sunday afternoon at 4 o'clock live on WSDE and from Parnell Park as well. We're going to be back in a week's time to take a look back at those four quarterfinals. In the meantime, keep an eye on the Dublin GA social media channels for all your latest Dublin GA news. We're at WGA Official on Twitter, Facebook and Instagram. Thanks for tuning in and goodbye.